This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Matthew 24, let's pray. Father, we come to you, we come, O Christ, to you, true Son of God and man. Lord, we ask you now to speak to our hearts because we're listening in Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 24, verse one, Matthew 24, one. Jesus went out and departed from the temple. His disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, see ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, tell us, when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in diverse places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, shall kill you. You shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise, shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Okay, now, as we come to chapter 24, which opens with these words that Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and then it says his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. In order for us to get a really full impact of this verse, we have to reconnect it, as it was in the original, with the verses before it. In other words, no chapter break from chapter 23. And so if we look at it that way, we start at chapter 23, verse 38, which says, behold, your house is left unto you desolate, for I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth, till you shall say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. So he spent this day in the temple. 
He's leaving the temple now to never return to the temple again. This is it. He's not going to come back, and this temple is going to be destroyed about 30 years later. And his last words that he speaks while he's in the temple are very disturbing because these last words are setting the stage for what he's going to tell his disciples all that's really on their minds after what they've heard him say. They just heard him say one thing, everybody did. Heard him say one thing and they're very disturbed by that, which is the chapter 23, verse 38. Chapter 23, verse 38, the last thing that's on their mind is behold, your house is left unto you desolate. Those in the temple will never see him again as the temple, as the glory. He is the glory. It says in John 1 that we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Son. And now the glory of the temple is now leaving the temple. And as he's leaving the temple, he in essence has said in this chapter 23 to the leaders there, you've hijacked my temple. You've made my temple a den of thieves. You formulated a religion which serves yourselves and not God. This is no longer my house. Now it's your house. Now it's a house without God in the temple. This house is now, your house is left unto you desolate. And that's what happens as he leaves And that's what brings the impact to chapter 24, verse one, verse one, Jesus went out and departed from the temple. When he left the temple, he left, in essence, a great world religion, Judaism, which has a great heritage, which has a long history, which has an elaborate system that's ever growing of traditions, which is typical of world religion. But there was just one problem. And that problem is verse one. Jesus went out and departed from the temple. It became a religion without Christ. It was a religion without God. It was a religion of, verse 38, chapter 23, verse 38, it was a religion of, behold, your house is left unto you desolate. And that's what religion is without Christ, desolate. Lots of works, but desolate. Lots of traditions, but desolate. Lots of heritage, but desolate because it's without Christ. It's as desolate as Jehovah Jesus said in Hosea 9.12, Hosea 9.12, woe also to them when I depart from them. As desolate as Jeremiah 6.8, Jeremiah 6.8, be thou instructed, O Jerusalem, lest my soul depart from thee lest I make thee desolate. And they didn't know this. They wouldn't know this. And he had talked about how they didn't know this. He said, your eyes can't see, your ears can't hear, because they didn't know that when Christ departed from them, not only their glory left them, but their defense left them. And they were left defenseless against their enemies who in three decades later, short 30 years, some odd years later, when the enemies came in, they were defenseless against Titus. Now, Christ did not depart the temple 
until he was driven out, essentially, of the temple. The temple was his house, Christ as God. Christ took a great interest in the temple. This was his house. When he was just a boy of of 12 years old at the Passover, he doubled back and spent hours in his temple listening to the rabbis and questioning them. Twice when he came to his house, his temple, he threw out those who were selling animals for sacrifices. It says in a place there, he didn't even let anybody carry a container through the temple in Mark eleven sixteen. Mark eleven sixteen. He would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. Why? It was his house. It was his temple. He insisted that his house should be called a house of prayer, a house of prayer. And whenever Christ was in Jerusalem, he made a beeline to the temple. That's where you found him, in the temple. Sometimes he spoke, he was teaching in the temple. Other times he was silent, just looking around and observing in the temple. As he watched, for example, people casting their money, putting their money into the treasury. That's when he saw this widow casting in her money in the temple in Mark 12, 1241, Mark 1241, 1241. Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing, and he called unto him his disciples and saith unto him, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which cast in the treasury, for all they did cast in their abundance, but she of her want cast in all that she had. He sat there and watched and took it all in. And that's when he saw this widow casting in the small amount and it became a subject for his teaching. He loved the temple and that's what made it such a sad day, such a sad day in verse one here when he left the temple. It's interesting in verse one, it says it's a double statement in verse one, and Jesus went out and departed from the temple. He didn't just walk out, he departed. And now in chapter 24 that he's departed from the temple, he now speaks about the destruction of the temple. He left the temple, he left Judaism, he didn't leave his disciples. And that's the point, he didn't leave his disciples. In verse one, he left the temple, but his disciples came into him. We just were singing wonderful hymn about at the cross what happened. Well, one of the verses we're just singing was, there at the cross where he took me in. There at the temple when he left the temple, but there outside the temple, he took in the disciples. And these were the disciples who were also forced out of the temple, as it says in John 9.22, John 9.22. The Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. He should be put out of the synagogue. Kind of reminds me a little bit of, uh, in a few days, and this Wednesday, 
I have an appointment at the Israeli consulate in San Francisco for an interview, for an interview for my application to get an, an investor visa in Israel. Israel and the U.S. are the only two countries in the world that have an investor visa agreement whereby Americans who invest in Israel can get an investor visa and Israelis who invest in America can get an investor visa. It means they can come and go like they were citizens. Anyway, so this interview that I'm gonna have on Wednesday, they sent me a two-page form and they said, fill this out before your meeting so we know about what's your mother's name, what's your father's name, and you know, and all these kind of questions. And one of the questions on there is religion. What is your religion? And uh, I mean, that's a pretty good question for someone applying for an investor visa, don't you think? <laughs> anyway, what's your religion? So this bothers me a lot, what's your religion? So I go back to the Israeli definition of religion. You are Jewish if your mother was Jewish. So I said, okay, I'm Jewish. My mother was Jewish. My father was Jewish as well. So there you go, a double whammy, mother and father. So you're Jewish, okay. But you're not Jewish if you convert, so to speak, to another religion. And so what is the act and what is the belief that negates the birth by your mother? So the question is, anyways, is this not a violation of the freedom of religion? Anyways, it doesn't matter. But the point is that in John 9, 29, the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Okay, I don't want to go there right now. So anyway, the disciples were Jews who only left the temple when they were forced to leave the temple because they confessed Christ. And now they're outside the temple and they go and find Christ who's also departed from the temple. That's why people ask me sometimes, are you messianic? And I tell them, look, when the synagogue told me that I could not remain in the synagogue and say the name of Jesus Christ, then I left the synagogue and I have no interest in going back to any practices of the synagogue. Okay, so the Lord now is on his way back to Bethany. He's left the temple and the disciples stop him as he's leaving Jerusalem. The disciples are coming to show him the buildings of the temple. They're very impressed with the buildings of the temple and they're magnificent. These buildings were not the original buildings, as we know, that Solomon had built. Those were destroyed by the Babylonians. And these were not even the buildings that were rebuilt uh, at that time, it were not the same when the Jews re returned to rebuild the temple, because the Jews who returned to rebuild the temple after 70 years of Babylonian captivity, and they were allowed to return by the king of Persia, there were some of those Jews who returned were old, they were called ancient men in the Bible, and they remembered the first temple that was built, and, and when the foundation for this second temple was laid, it says in Haggai 2.3, Haggai 2.3, God said, who is left among you that saw the house, this house in her first glory, and how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison, God said, of it as nothing? Ezra 3.12, Ezra 3.12 says, many of the priests and the Levites and the chief of the fathers who were ancient men. That's the way I feel a little bit. I'm an ancient man. <laughs> Remember my neighbor one time said, you know, somebody asked him in Spanish, how are you? And he said, ancien. <laughs> he says ancient. Anyway, never mind. These were ancient men that had seen the first house 
when the foundation of the house was laid before their eyes, wept with a loud voice. They cried because they saw this is nothing compared to the first temple. I remember it. It was 70 years later, 70 years. I don't know, those men must have been 80, 90, 100 years. I don't know how old they were. They were ancient men. They cried. They cried like a baby. And God said to them, okay, who of you has left that saw the first one? What do you think? It's like nothing, right? That's when God told Israel in Zechariah 4.10, Zechariah 4.10, who hath despised the day of small things? God says, don't despise that because the second temple, it started off very small, but it grew and it became large and it became magnificent and Herod added to it as well, just as God told Job about his suffering, about his suffering in Job 8.7, Job 8.7, he said, though thy beginning was small, yet thy latter end shall greatly increase. And that's the point is that this temple had become more and more beautiful, more and more magnificent. And when the disciples came to Christ, we can just feel the pride that was welling up in them as they looked at this temple and all the more shocked when Christ made his, his prediction. Actually, the reason why Christ talked about the stones in this passage in Matthew is because that's specifically what the disciples were pointing to, were asking the Lord to look at in Mark 13, one, we get that, Mark 13, one, as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples saith unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answering said unto him, seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another, shall not be thrown down. Now, we're not told which disciple came to him and pointed out these stones, probably Peter. Peter was always the one who was out front. But we can feel the excitement over the stones. He says, look at these stones, they're incredible. The stones were very impressive. As a matter of fact, the historian Josephus tells us about the stones of the foundation of the temple. He says they were 70 feet long and 10 feet tall and eight feet deep. Clint, can you imagine a stone 70 feet long, 10, taller than a person? and deeper than a person lying down, that's incredible. And it says, uh, Josephus tells us that they were marble of green and white marble, beautiful when the sun hit them and reflected off and that they had beautiful paintings in them. And he went on to say that the pillars in the temple were as thick as three people standing. That was the thickness of the pillars. And even Titus has said that when he came to the temple, he was astonished when he came to destroy the temple, he was astonished and he carried parts of it back to Rome. And if you go to Rome, you can see some carvings of, of Titus carrying back some of the things, probably now in the Vatican. We don't wanna say anything about that. But anyway, so when the disciples were so excited to look at those stones, they expected for Christ to be just as impressed as they were, especially because these disciples and Christ, for that matter, lived in, in Galilee, and they didn't get to see these stones that often. So when the disciples came and they said, look at these great stones, and they were hoping maybe the Lord's gonna reverse his statement about this house being left desolate, and they're looking at all these precious stones, they're ready to, to cry out but over the stones, but Christ was not crying out over the stones. Actually, he was crying out. He was crying out in Luke 19.41, Luke 19.41, it says, when he was come near and he beheld the city, he wept over it. 
He wept over it. It wasn't the stones and the walls that he was weeping over. It was the lost souls in Jerusalem that caused him to break down and cry. And this was a case where the disciples' thoughts were over the loss of the stones and the walls and the beauty, and they were not over the same thoughts of Christ crying over loss of souls. As it says in Isaiah 55, 8, so Isaiah 55, 8, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Higher, not stones and walls, but souls. And he's asking the disciples, have the same thoughts, have the higher thoughts that I have. Get on the same page with me. Now the Lord does not does look at those stones and he does look at those buildings and he turns to his disciples and he says, I want you to look carefully at them also. In verse two, verse two, Jesus said unto them, see ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you that there shall not be left here one stone upon another which shall not be thrown down. So when he says this in verse two, see not all these things, he's asking them to look carefully at the beauty of the stones. Look carefully at the beauty of the buildings and see beyond, see beyond the present to what's going to happen. See the certain ruin that's gonna come to these stones. We're so prone to look at the present to think it's just gonna continue as it has been, but beautiful buildings will become a pile of rubble and beautiful strong bodies will be eaten by worms. And so seeing beyond the present is what Christ is asking his disciples to do in verse two. Just like Peter in 2 Peter 3.10, 2 Peter 3.10, when he speaks about the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are seen shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of the Lord, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens, and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found in him in peace without spot and blameless. You know, as you scan about in Takati, as you go down the, the front path, walkway to the front there, there's one side of the path and nothing on the other side of the path and then a, a label for the path, the path of grace, path of grace. And on one side, are fossils from the flood. And on the other side are stainless steel flames. Not real flames, but they're stainless steel. Stainless steel flames. And the message of that symbolism is we in our world walk down a limited, by time, path of grace because we are sandwiched between two great destructions. The destruction by water in the flood, so that's why they have the fossils there and the destruction of fire that Peter is talking about, and we're on this path of grace. And so when, when Christ is saying, look at all these buildings, look at all these walls, he's saying temporary, 
temporary. It's a grace right now. That's why Peter, the two words that are most important in this Peter, in this 2 Peter 3 passage, 10 through 14, is the two words, seeing and looking. Seeing and looking. Seeing all these things will be dissolved. Looking for the coming of Christ. So Christ says in verse two, see ye not all these things. He's directing their eyes as Peter is in 2 Peter 3.11, 2 Peter 3.11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. And to see them all dissolved, to see them all disintegrating in great heat is to look for the new heavens and the new earth. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.